Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Welcome back, everybody, and happy to have you join me for this week's episode of Maximum Octane. This is Kim Hickey here, and as usual, and now I always start out my shows, I'm so excited because of my guests, because I get to pick them. So there's really not a better gig in the world to be able to just like pick the people that you want to talk to or you are inspired by and say, hey, come and talk to me for a half hour or so. It's it's awesome. So joining me today is a colleague, Mr. Ken Martin, who has been very successful in helping get uh, small business owners and collision shop owners on the right path to freedom and time and money and all of those things that we all know we don't know sometimes and we have to uh, figure it out. So thank you for taking the time to join me today. Kim, thanks so much for having me on. This is, I can't wait. I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to burst with all the information I want to share with everybody. All right. Well, let's just get to it then, shall we? Yeah, let's, let's talk about metrics. Let's talk about <gasps> a subject we, yeah, something we don't talk about very often, right? This is information that is so vital to everybody in an organization, irregardless of what you're doing. Metrics are such an important part of a conversation we, we rarely have. We're so busy during our day trying to chase the things we think we need to be chasing and not realizing we're leaving a lot on the table because we're only as strong as our weakest link. That's for sure. What are some of the reasons you think that businesses and especially small business owners really shy away from the metrics? I think it's because they think they're sharing proprietary information. I think they're fearful that their people might know something that they actually need to know and they don't realize how important it is. So what you're saying is if they don't tell them they made $200,000 this year, the employees won't notice that they rolled up in a brand new $250,000 motor home. They won't see it. So by not telling them I got the money, they're going to completely... Be like, oh, but to that motorhome was free. They know. That like that your your internal customers know when you have but isn't the goal for everybody to roll up in a new car? It is, it is, but we, that's we try what the to metrics hide that. do. Well, no, but see, that's what the metrics do. So when rather than let them see two hundred thousand dollars of my money, what if they saw it in the form of a metric that would really suit their agenda. Because let's face it, we all come to work with agendas. We didn't we didn't come to work because an ad said, hey, come be my friend. It said help wanted and good salary with benefits, right? We would hope that. And I think that's what every ad says these days. But that's a whole other topic that yeah. I'm on a soapbox <laughs> about. But that'll be 
maybe in, in the next couple of weeks. So. So true. So true. That is another subject unto itself. But that being said, if you think about this, if I know my place, my skin in the game at a, at a, at a job, let's just say I'm, a, I'm an employee for a big company. Um, I'm looking at my agenda, my world, you know, my, my kids' soccer games, my house, my cars, the things that are important in my world. But how do I get somebody to convince me to incorporate what's important to me with what's important to them? That is the million-dollar question and another one of my soapboxes. So. Okay, it's metrics. The key yeah. is metrics. Yes, because if I understand that I can have growth in a company by hitting certain metrics or certain goals – that I know are attainable because my boss is coming to me and saying, hey, can you do this? And I'm saying, yes, if you provide me with these things. And if that boss provides that that employee with those tools and resources that they need, and together they work towards a common goal, everybody wins. And that will enable the strong to carry the weak. It's incredibly powerful. It is. And, you know, I think sometimes not sharing the metrics and not having conversations and not setting clear expectations works in the exact opposite effect of what the business owner intended. They think if they don't tell their people how much money they made, they'll just assume they didn't make any money. But many times internal customers think you're making millions, you know, more than you are. And it's all going in your pocket because they don't see a lot of times the back end because we don't share it. So they don't see how much insurance is and credit card processing and, you know, electric and all of those things. And many times when I have conversations with service advisors or any employee at any business, they're like, oh yeah, you know, we're doing X amount of sales a week. So I'm only getting paid this. So I know they're just pocketing all the rest. And it's like, no, no, they're not pocketing all the rest, but they don't share it. They don't share for whatever yes. crazy fear. And so it it leaves so much to the imagination out there. Of, yes, uh, it's cause and effect, right? Mm-hmm. Either way, either way, to the good or the bad. And on the good side, if I understood as an employee that I don't need to know your fixed and semi-fixed expenses and all the details on your P&L, I probably wouldn't understand them as an employee. But if I understood my part in a savings that would have incentive compensation tied to it as it relates to a metric – then I'm going to strive for that metric because I know that there's something at the end of the tunnel for me as well. We do a lot of work, as you know, with employee engagement and culture and the two basic needs that people want to know that need their needs are, I want to know how am I doing and what's next and sharing the metrics just plays into that so beautifully because they, they're always knowing where we're at. What is the goal we have to hit? Why do we have to hit this goal? And here's how you get to where you want to be. And we're not spending enough time, I think, with our internal customers asking what's important to them. Where do you want to go? Here's what's possible. You know, how do I help you get there? What role do you want to play in this? Yes, yes. And and the world around us is changing, right? It's a, it's, it's a living thing. It's evolving constantly. And today... Obviously, the the big word out there, I hate to say this word, the I word, inflation, it feels crushing on employees today because they're almost feeling like they had a demotion. What are we doing to talk to our, our, our internal customers, our employees, to address this so that they can actually succeed in a world where there's inflation? Well, I could tell you from many conversations I had, and a few of them were just on the plane traveling this week, and 
a lot of people are not doing anything. We're burying our head in the sand and just, yes. you know, chalking it up to its political nonsense and putting our blinders on. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yes. And they deserve so much more. And when you bring, when they see you're trying, when employed, I've done this numerous times in consolidation scenarios, in, in huge um, multi-shop operation scenarios where we bring teams together as a whole. And everybody, nobody gets left behind. Everybody, it's vitally important that everybody feel like they have ownership in a company. And when they feel that way, they will move mountains for success. It's really cool. I really enjoy bringing that message to the uh, to the shops that I work with in my particular position as a collision advisor and, and a consultant and 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 coaching and and so much more. Where I work, it's more than just coaching. It's so big. It's huge. And to be able to bring success to shops that didn't think they had an opportunity is just, it's, it's a really good feeling. Can you expand a little bit on bringing everybody together and then letting them know that they can have a say and be part of it? Because sometimes as soon as you bring that up to a business owner, they, the, the doors slam and they're like, they're not running my company. They're not telling me what to do. I'm telling them. And, so how does one find the balance between getting input from their internal customers, but knowing that, hey, the buck stops here. So if somebody has a crazy suggestion or something that goes against your values or your mission and vision statement, that it's okay to say no. There there seems to be a one way or the other. We we're losing sight of there's a there's a middle in there somewhere. There is, and it all starts with with change, with change of culture. It's all about culture. Today, things are so different, and I can attest to this because I come from that world, and I've learned from people. I've I've been I've been blessed to be open minded enough to say, you know what, I have to listen. Because if I don't listen, I'm not going to get the message. And we're, you know, if you come in with antiquated thoughts and you keep standing on that same old ground, trying to pound that same old anvil on that same old desk, you're going to be talking to deaf ears. But if you walk through your environment and you have a conversation with your people one-on-one casually, and then you take that intel that you're getting from your people and you bring that into a release meeting and you utilize that properly, everybody starts to feel like they have ownership in the game because you're listening to their message. And I've learned things from some pretty smart people in this industry. It's, these are not my ideas necessarily. This is my this is my my version of their ideas. And it works so well because people want to feel included. People want that badly. In fact, there have been studies done where it shows just a pat on the back would go further than a raise. That's incredibly powerful. Think about that. And if you can take that same message and turn it into, say, a better metric for that particular person in your shop, that will lead to a better metric overall for the company, which is healthy for everybody. So back to my metrics. They're so important. So what are some of the metrics that you recommend that people share? Okay, so depending on your company, obviously, you're going to have to categorize and subcategorize your metrics. And they're going to have to be related to what each person does as it relates to their function in the business. In my business, for example, in Collision, if I have body technicians and refinish technicians and structural technicians and mechanics, I can break out their metrics separately under one line, the labor line, and show each of them by their efficiencies, how they're carrying their own weight. And then it becomes competitive. 
we are competitive by nature. So when you tap into some of the cool things people like to do and you make it fun and competitive, people will they'll 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 bring some serious horsepower to the equation. Okay, so the there's a section of the world out there today that says it's not nice to make people compete or pit them against each other and that you know it all needs to kind of be the same and everybody gets the what what do you say to that? I'm going to just be quiet. I I, 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 I have to respectfully disagree with the fact that people shouldn't compete because I think that brings out some really positive juices, so to speak. I think people want to compete, but friendly competition. It shouldn't, you know, we have an obligation to our employees to keep it in a sane world, so to speak. But the metrics themselves are their metrics. So they're kind of competing against themselves anyway. And then as a team, they get to celebrate when they hit certain numbers. And you can give them a window so that there really isn't a place to fail, so to speak. This is the bottom we want to get to and make it very attainable. And here's where we really succeed. Where do you think we'll hit in that window? And, you know, it's fun to watch as, as you start to see the metrics change and go up and they incrementally go up. And they can see those numbers week after week after week, month by month, quarter by quarter. And at the end of the year, you're having a barbecue out front celebrating everybody's wins and, and everybody's discussing their incentive compensation, not to talk about salaries, but the fact that, yeah, you know, for the first time in a year, me and the wife are going out and looking at a new truck. I can't believe it. But we're actually thinking of selling our house and buying a bigger house where we're going to think I have another kid next year. And all of those positive things that come from that as a leader, I can't say there's a more rewarding feeling to hear those conversations amongst your, the people that you share um, your workspace with. It's just incredible. It is, as you know, we're big fans of goal posters or vision boards or whatever anybody wants to call them. And it's so amazing and so gratifying for everyone involved that when a person in your tribe or group or whatever you want to call it, in your circle, you know, when they are able to cross something off of their goal poster and accomplish a dream or goal, it's just, it's magic. And to see everybody applaud them and support them and it motivate them to do more. We had one shop, ours actually Rod's Japanese in Washington. There was someone that had put on there, one of their technicians, they needed, they wanted to buy a house. They needed a car. They had adopted, they were trying to adopt a, a bunch of kids. And there was something else like it, if you looked at the goal poster, you'd been like, this is a 10 year thing. What the, all of this stuff that he had on there, it was, it was a lot. And by golly, he accomplished all of it. I think a year, year and a half, I can't remember what, but the shop just lifted it. They were so genuinely happy for him and they were adopting some foster children. They were taking care of, I believe. And so they just got together and they were like, oh my gosh, I had to buy this big house. And then it was like, where's the furniture going to come from? And the the shop, the, the employees from the shop had a fundraiser and did a big giant yard sale and all kinds of things to raise money for their coworker to buy furniture for the house that they had to get for the foster kids. And I, it was such a, just a beautiful experience. It's such a beautiful it. thing to see. I've experienced that. I've experienced that down in Texas. I was a regional director for a major consolidator back in uh, the mid-2000s. And we had a guy, not to be named, that was in the wrong position. That's all it was. And every day he would come to work angry. He was just not happy. He came to work unhappy. And it led to anger. He was frustrated. 
And I would visit this shop periodically, twice a month, because I was helping the general manager get it, get his new shop up and running. And he was listening to all these these ideas this company had. It was phenomenal. And every couple of weeks when I'd come in, this guy was just always, I mean, just really swearing under his breath at me. And I looked at him and I said, I go, what's your problem, man? Why? I, I, I like you. You're a really good guy. And it, it, he told me I wouldn't understand twice. The third time I said, we're done. Let's go in the front office. We need to talk. And I sat him right across from me and I leaned over and I looked at him and I looked him right in the eyes and I said, look, just, just be straight with me. Just tell me what's really going on. And he almost got teary eyed. And he said to me, Ken, he goes, I'm a better technician than any tech in that shop. And you have me disassembling cars. And I went, so you're better than any other technician in there. And you haven't told me this. Well, to take a very long story and turn it short, what you just said happened in his life. A year later, we sat in that same office with both of us in tears. And he was telling me how he had got a new minivan for his family. And they finally moved into their own home. And this all happened within a year's time. And yes, he turned out to be the best technician this shop had. And I can tell you right now, one of the other employees that I work with at my company shared this story with me. Wow. It's it's a it's a wonderfully powerful that's why i i do what i do changing people's lives is so powerful and sharing metrics with them is the key sharing information is the key so if you haven't done that before with your internal customers what's the first place to start um release meetings get getting everybody on the same page have a have a huddle and let everybody know we're going to take a direction and we're going to go slow be very, very careful to go slow with this. It's very powerful. And the first thing I tell them when I meet with them in this huddle or this meeting we have, I call them release meetings, is that I want to observe first so that I can get good intel. Because I don't want to come to you and ask you a question that you won't have an answer for. I don't want to blindside you. So I want to watch what you're doing and then ask you why you're doing it that way. And get a, get an intelligent, intelligent answer back so together we can work towards a common goal of, of, of honing that skill and making it better. And that will, in turn, give us better metrics. We'll get better efficiencies out of what we're doing. Wonderful. The next thing is sometimes... Business owners are like, I'm going to, we're going to do this great new thing. I'm going to start sharing my metrics. They roll out their first meeting. It might go the first meeting, might go a couple of meetings. They get busy. Then maybe they don't have the meeting or somebody pushes back and says, I, I don't think I should be held to that standard or whatever. Right. And then it, it kind of goes a little sideways. So how do we make sure we keep that going? Because us business owners, oh, and especially small question. ones, are are we love to start things. We're entrepreneurs. We we're idea people, and we're like, let's try this this time. So, how do you continue that? It's oh, I love this question. So, what it comes down to is when it comes to our own policing of ourselves, the foxes in the hen house, right? Right. We, we, we will determine the speed at which we go, which is never going to be one we're trying to achieve as far as I've ever seen. And so it's kind of like going to the gym. You have two choices. You can go and work out of the gym on your own and think you're doing great. Or you can get a personal trainer that will take you to levels that you're really trying to achieve. So in the business world, it's the same way. If you don't have somebody in your corner that's constantly putting accountability into your world, that's constantly working with you to hone your skills so you can pass that message on to your team, your village, you're probably going to spend a lot longer 
working towards your goal, if you ever achieve it at all. So to answer your question is um, coaching, coaching, personal training. That's what's important there. And if you have that, you will succeed. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Here's the next part to that. We have all this going. We're like, listen, everybody, here's the metrics. You need to do this. Something that we seem to have shied away from in, in recent times, and maybe it's always been, is that trust but verify. We we delegate. We can finally get somebody to delegate something, and then they're like, this is yours. You take control of this. You have ownership, and they wash their hands. So where does that trust but verify come in? Very simply, incentive compensation. Everything we do, we expect to be rewarded for. And the reward we expect in this world, the way our society is built, is through compensation. Because compensation, you know, won't buy you happiness, but it sure does make your life a lot easier to live. It'll buy me a lot of shoes, I can tell you that. Right, which will make him happy, right. (laughs) So, and, And in Ken's world, it would be mountain bikes. And in, you know, everybody has their agenda, right? Back to agendas. So when when you give somebody a task, like for instance, in our world, if we want a technician to train a new guy that's green, and I ask him to do it for the same wage he's earning, that's a demotion. But if I tell him, look, for every for every metric you hit, and here's the attainable ones, you tell me, yes or no, are they attainable? Because I want them to let me know what they're capable of. Based on their capabilities, if we reach those goals, that will produce enough revenue to where we can sit down and have a discussion on the gross profit side of things and discuss how we can share some of that in the form of a reward for doing these things to better the company. And it sounds complicated on the surface, but when you sit down and you have a conversation with somebody, mano y mano, and you explain it to them in layman's terms, which is basically, you help me and I'll pay you more, and here's how, they'll get, they'll want to understand that, and they'll have a greater understanding of it as they do it. Sounds so simple, Ken. It does, doesn't it? It's not. Sounds so simple. Just Why doesn't everybody do it, dang it? It is once you're doing it, actually, Kim. Now that I'm, it's muscle memory memory for me and the people that I surround myself with to do it. It is kind of simple for us. It is hard to change your culture. Culture is the hard part. Um, I read a book once that said it takes a year to um, basically write your ship and it takes two years to put a really good rudder and a compass on it. And I follow that rule of thumb whenever I take a shop over in my career in the past and always told um, the people that hired me to fix their shops, because at one time I was a fixer, that, yeah, it will take me a year to change your culture, and it'll take me another year to instill that culture permanently in your shop. You know, to add to that, people get frustrated because if they do try to make a change, and even if it's just a behavior, they expect everybody to notice in five minutes. And so if you have a poor culture or you have habits as a leader that are not desirable and you go to make a change. People are always upset. Like, Oh, I've been for three days being wonderful or doing this or that. And nobody's, nobody's noticing. And there's so many different studies uh, between anywhere I see from six months to a year, year and a half. It depends which study you read that when you change a behavior, people won't notice for that long. So if you're the guy or gal that comes in 10 minutes early to every meeting and and you've been 10 minutes early for years and years and years, 
If you start coming in late or just right on the dot, it's going to take months till anyone notices that because for so many years, you are the 10 minutes early person, right? And so that I think that's another piece where people stop doing things or get discouraged because it's not this immediate, oh, I stopped yelling and it's been two weeks and no one has said anything. And no, it's going to take a lot longer, right? Until that new behavior, that new thing you're doing becomes then what is the habit or the muscle memory or what people expect because there's a shift in the expectation, right? They're expecting one thing, right? So it's always fascinating to me about the time limits that people be like, oh, yeah, I did it for a month, didn't work. We're going back to the other way. Yeah. And, you know, you can incorporate that into the fact that owners and operators and managers of companies tend to be in a fishbowl. And your employees will do this with you, what you just talked about. They watch you intently and they will build a culture around your habits. So just like you said, nobody will notice the guy that might come in 10 minutes early every day from you know years and then for months, nobody notices he's coming in right on time. The owner tends to get that same effect in the opposite way as to where people get comfortable with you doing all their jobs for them. And the more you do it, the oh, more yeah. they'll allow you. It's an, it's an interesting way to look at a culture in a business and applies to any business. And owners tend to want to be the firemen. They tend to want to be the guy there to, to be there at the moment to rescue everybody. They get, they get an adrenaline rush out of it. And that can lead to some bad behaviors, actually. It can lead to some, some negative effect on the entire team. It does. And one of the things I think that business owners that are firefighters don't realize it can give off the perception of mistrust and where yes. you might think you're helping them out in a jam because they, you see they're on the phone and someone came in or you see cars packed up or whatever the business is and you go out and help because you think you're helping and you're trying to help put out the fire. Sometimes that that's perceived as they didn't trust me. Ken doesn't give me five minutes to get out there and do it. He gets out there and does there it go. before I do. They don't look at it like, Gosh, that was so wonderful that Ken ran out there and did that. It has the exact opposite effect. So everything is perception, right? It's just, it's amazing it's reality, how many yes. different yeah. different ways we can look at things and where sometimes we think we're helping. You're so perceptive. That's it. So all of the years in, in your careers and your successes, Obviously, there's probably little bumps on the in the way and little things you had to maybe change and adjust and zhuzh up a little to go a different thing. What What is a habit that you had, an unproductive one, that you were like, boy, this is this is not the best use of my time or energy and that you exchanged for something more productive? For example, somebody had told me recently that they used to watch a lot of news and it was getting them upset and they were whatever. And every channel they turned on, it was a different news. <laughs> so they were getting angry and then going into work angry and all of that because of what was happening. So they yes. realized that was an unproductive habit. They switched it to meditating, actually. And they used that time they normally would watch the news to meditate. And then yes. help do things. Yeah. So... I'll use a more intense one, but I've, I'm married 38 years. I'm very proud of that. And Congratulations. And thank you. Just the other day, August 4th, right? And my wife sees qualities in me I don't necessarily see. And Good ones or bad ones? 
both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> but <laughs> but really, um, she she always tends to try to help me exercise the better ones. And and sometimes I, I tend to think the world thinks like Ken Martin. And I have a message for anybody and everybody that's leading a team, and that is let them thrive. Let them show you how to go from point A to point B. That would be my, if I'm always looking for ways to correct Ken Martin, is to stop, quit thinking everybody has to think like me, and let them be creative. Let them be who they are. It, people will rise up and do incredible things when they're allowed to do it their way. So that, I would say that's how I, t- I tend to find better efficiency in my world. Well, I bet you that was a hard, uh, hard one to change, huh? I'm still doing it. <laughs> I'm still doing it. I, do, I, I, I catch myself all the time going, reverting back to the old Ken Martin. And I, I, at least I have that to fall back on now so I can continue to improve. It's a never ending. You're striving for perfection with that one all the time. We all we all have them. And that's why I love sharing them, because sometimes I think people feel like they're alone or. Oh my gosh, that person's like super, super man or super woman and they don't, and everybody has something that at one time or another they're working on or trying to swap out for something more productive or whatever. So, And if I may notice, I, I, I reached to my coach, my wife in this case, in my life is like a coach to me sometimes. So I reach back and I get help. I listen to her advice. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important that we reach out to a, a, a sometimes a party that does have emotional skin in the game, like in my case with my wife. And then some things I do, I reach out to coworkers and people that I know that don't have emotional skin because I want I want a different opinion. I want a third opinion without the emotional side of it. Or and you I want to prove your wife wrong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not saying that live. I'm just going <laughs> to tell you that right now. <laughs> okay, she told me this, so I'm going to go ask my coworkers. Now, I... I, and I know exactly what you're saying. It's important to have a support system. And yes, you mentioned an advisory earlier, board, right? An, like advisory an advisory board. That's yes. so important because many people have a million different ideas popping off in their head at any given second. And some are wonderful and some maybe can be shelved for a later date and some should not ever see the light of day. And so having someone in your corner and, and a group of someone's that you can speak to and say, what I got this Give it to me straight. What do you think? What are what are the pros and cons? So wonderful. Well, I thank you so much for joining me today and sharing. Oh, this was and great. I, I hope that everyone starts sharing metrics because there's so so many reasons that you should. And, yes. Uh, yes. And don't we be can, afraid. You know, there's so much to learn about metrics. Don't stop trying to learn more about them. I mean, you know, of course, it's just a small part of your of your world. But once what only once you have it down to a science and it becomes muscle memory. So it's, it is hard to make, to, to learn, to use them regularly in your world. But once you do, it will free you up. It will give you the time you want, the money you want, the life you want that you've always dreamed of in your business. If you work on them. I love it. I love it. Too many business owners don't even understand all of the metrics of what it takes for their business. And yeah, it's they got it. They got to ask the questions. If there's something on your P&L that you don't know what it is or why that number is that or what's in that account, make sure that you ask the people that are working on your your books, because it's important to understand. And you got to have a changer. target. Yeah, it's a game changer. It sure is. Well, I appreciate your time today. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing this again, to be honest with you. This is great. This was fun. Yes, I love it. I'm so lucky. I'm like the luckiest person in the world, I think, right now with all my fun stuff I got going on. So I love it. Everybody stay safe, make good choices and stay inspired. And I will be back next week. Thank you, Ken. Thanks, Kim. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.